Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Marketing, Management, and Money. I'm Ethan Migliori, and along with Ryan Murray, who I call the super host. Feels good. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> well, you do all the work behind the scenes, so I get to just enjoy it. So There is some truth to that. <laughs> Not all the work. That's why you but get paid the big bucks, and I get paid. I haven't seen <laughs> your check or my check, but... Oh. Sometimes you feel more, like you've got more checks than I have. That's that is true, but you do feel like podcasting can be a labor of love at times. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. It is. It is fun. I uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy it, and I I shouldn't I shouldn't totally downplay it because this is actually uh, we're, we're we're getting into um, peak season for uh, trainings and whatnot. It's very interesting. Trainings follow the same pattern as personal training. So oh, really, yeah. So That's if you nice. look at You're the probably right the, the the market cycles. So first of the year, everyone has a New Year's resolution, and so I'm always a lot busier the first of the year with yeah. people wanting to book trainings. Um, like this week alone, I booked five, and so yeah, you get into July, I book zero. <laughs> So, you know, if anyone out there is looking for a discount, July, uh, that is a discount <laughs> month. <laughs> but, uh, and then it picks back up in September because after yeah. summer, kids go back to school. Everyone either wants to get in shape or they want to do something with their small business. And it, it kind of cracks me up that, you know, every January through March is busy. Uh, September, October is busy. busy. Yeah. And so, anyway, there you go. Okay. I don't know that I had anything to do with anything. <laughs> yeah. If anyone else is looking to get into this, now they know the secret. So, yeah. so today, you know, I had read a couple of articles and shared some with you on the, the topic of holding people accountable. Mm-hmm. But I always hate that word accountable because it's so authoritarian. Yes. And so as we talked, it says, you know, I want to do an episode where we talk about holding people accountable, but in a healthy way, right? So mm-hmm. that you're not getting into that authoritarian where it's my way, the highway, because you can do a lot of damage if, if uh, you know, and accountability has to happen. And if it's done right, it just goes natural. Um, uh, to an extent, it goes natural. Uh, I do think that if you don't have any, if, if you're so laid back, then, you know, it's it's not going to take care of itself. You're not going to wake up one day and be a superstar. Like, you have to have some discipline. and Well, and so with holding people accountable, and I don't, I don't want to go down the delegation one, mm-hmm. you know, because we've done episodes on delegating and things like that. You can go and look back up. But, but I do, you can't take that out of it as well, right? Because that's part of it is if you're going to hold someone accountable, you've obviously delegated tasks, responsibilities, you know, and that's an interesting one as I, you know, some of the stuff I was reading it, it was bringing out the fact that accountability and responsibility are two different things. Yeah. Even though they, they have this crossover, um, meaning if I ask someone to be accountable, the project can go horribly wrong and they can just report back. This is why it went wrong. Right. That was accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Responsibility on the other hand could have been, you were responsible to make sure the project didn't fail and it did fall or fail. So you had a responsibility there, 
even though the accountability says, well, this is why it failed, mm-hmm. responsibility doesn't, uh, you know, abnegate you from that responsibility yeah. and that ha- having to do something proactive there. Yeah. So can we do story time? I, uh, I like story time. <laughs> <laughs> Most of your stories are entertaining, so please. Well, well this this one's not going to be super entertaining, but I feel like it illustrates a point really well. Uh, so if you follow me on LinkedIn, you can see that uh, I do marketing management money, uh, but I also am uh, with a company and I oversee their sales marketing and product development. And so uh, with this company, I, uh, you know, first of the year, Everyone's talking goals. And so we just had our first department meeting. And so I got everyone together and I put the agenda out there. And the bottom uh, agenda item was I put 2024 goals and then I put a laughing face emoji. Because (laughs) it's like we we, we, we don't look at goals as, you know, like, like, normal 2024 or new year's resolutions or anything like that. And so we, we got into the meeting, we covered the business that we needed to cover. And I said, okay, guys, I was messing around, you know, I was trying to put some humor into this and that's why I put the, you know, the smiley emoji, but I also want to uh, ask you guys, do you want as a department head, do you want me to put goals down for you? And they all looked at me and there's like, no, we don't. And I actually said, okay, I, I don't want to put goals down for you. Uh, I want you guys to have goals for yourself, but um, for various reasons. Now, I'm not saying that goals are bad, but in our department, I, I always like to look at what's within your control and what's out of your control. Right. And most people, you know, and this is where you were talking about, you know, accountability and responsibility. Uh, you know, most people, they set these goals that are completely outside of someone's control. Like you think, okay, we're going to have a goal where we're going to increase sales by 15%. Based on what? You know, like, is the market going to change 15%? Do we have new products that we're going to introduce that are going to increase sales 15%? Are we going to grow our customer base by 15%? Like, where is this coming from? And a lot of companies fail to actually connect that 15% growth to any action steps. And so I would much rather say, okay, you know, if I'm going to set a 2024 goal, and the reason why I don't like 2024 goals or New Year's goals is because it's so hard to line anything up with a year. You know, most things, it's like, what are we going to do for the next four months? Or, you know, because it goes through cycles. So, Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's uh, an important part about when you think of accountability is when you talk about cycles, having a, your goals that are based off of like a calendar year may not be the right way to do that because your cycles may dictate that we really should be a July one through the end of June. Right. Yeah. And so you need to look at your business cycle when you start talking about this and, and we'll talk a bit more about this as we talk more today, but, um, but that's important to recognize the cycle of your business and then try to build it off of that um, because you'll find that it will be, uh, a smoother process and you'll have better growth. Yeah. And, and so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, 
for this department meeting, we know that this is a busy time of year for us, but we also know that the cycle of the business, it takes months. The actions that we take today, we don't see the fruits of those actions for months. Right. It could be six months. It could be longer. And so, you know, yeah, right now sales are up, but they're always up this time of year and they're up based on things that happened last year. And so if I start holding people accountable for January sales and I'm like, okay, you know, here we are, we're already the middle of January. What are you guys going to do? Nothing. There is nothing that anyone on my team can do to change January sales. I mean, they can do some stuff to really sabotage it, <laughs> but, but they can't grow January sales because that work's already been done. You know, when you're out picking the peaches, yeah. you didn't plant the tree in, you know, September 1st and you're picking the peaches on September 12th. Right. Like you planted the tree a decade earlier. Now, did you water it properly? Did you prune it in the spring like you were supposed to? Did it get, did it get the fertilizer that it needed? You know, by the time you're getting that harvest, it's too late to fertilize. Like I can't I can't go and fertilize it and then expect to harvest right. the next day. So, yeah. I'll get off all my country wisdom and let you well, you talked about people, and I like that because one of the points I want to talk about as leaders when we hold people accountable, the one that we have to be, uh, and I think we feel like pay attention to it, that we really need to, is do we have the right people on the right seat in the bus, right? Mm -hmm. Do we have the right people on the team doing the right tasks? And that falls on us as responsibility as a leader because too often we want to hold those people accountable, but yet we've positioned them wrong, and then we want to hold them accountable. So, so I think it's important that when we really, we really are stepping back and saying, all right, do I have the people on the team aligned perfectly with the right tasks, even though they may or may not want to do the task, right? Because using a sports analogy, every once in a while, your center wants to be the guard and dribble <laughs> it down, right? Yeah. And occasionally that's okay. But for the most part, they can't play the guard position the whole game, mm -hmm. right? So we got to make sure that they're playing in those positions based off of their skill sets to do that, regardless of what they think they should be doing, mm -hmm. because otherwise it hurts the rest of the team. So, so I want to throw something out there, and I don't want to deviate from what you're saying. So if you've got more that you want to hit no. on that point, okay, okay. So I have a philosophy that I live by, and I believe that every manager or leader should live by, and that is... Anyone who fails under you, if you have oversight, and I don't care how far it's removed, I don't care if it's a direct uh, oversight or if it's several layers down, you know, you're the CEO and you've got, you know, upper management that oversees middle management that oversees, you know, everyday employees. If that everyday employee screws up, a portion of that fault falls on the CEO mm -hmm. and you know, right now, if you guys are managers, if you have any sort of oversight, take take ownership of that and say, okay, any mistake that is made. And a lot of people, I see this, there's like, well, that guy's just a bad apple. I mean, how could we see that, that he was going to be, you know, terrible? And I'm like, who hired him? Okay, maybe you inherited, maybe you got promoted to, you know, now you're you're a department head or, you know, and, and you inherited this team, but who's putting the policies in place? Who's allowing the culture to permeate, right. 
you know, who's got the checks and balances to make sure that if you have bad apples, we're taking care of them as quickly as possible. And so I think when it comes to accountability, we're very apt to blame other people and be like, well, he didn't give me the right information. Uh, He got this to me late, you know, not my fault. I'm like, yes, your fault. Because if you oversee that position, part of it is your fault. Always. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, When you were saying that, it reminded me, um, because I wanted to talk about professional development Mm -hmm. and accountability because... So often, and you, you know, and we could go down this rabbit hole, and maybe we will. We'll see where it goes. But um, when we hire someone and we promote someone into positions, um, you know, professional development is huge in making sure that they retain high skill sets in what they're doing. Yeah. And too often we forget that that's important. And so we want to hold them accountable, but yet we haven't done anything to improve their skill set in doing those tasks, even if. Even if they're on a professional level, you know, for instance, an attorney doesn't get better if they're not actually studying law. Right. Right. They can try to counsel people all day long, but eventually if they're not staying up on law, reading new cases, understanding what's going on, how did this judge uh, rule on this, their skill sets eventually get poor. And as an attorney, they become, uh, you know, less valuable and people will start to recognize that. Well, the same thing happens all the time with employees, not just you know, skill sets that might be manual, but also mental. Well, so here's the interesting thing. And I don't know that too many people realize that this happens. I don't care what field you're in. I mean, you talked about law. We could talk about tech. We could talk about inventory management. We could talk about accounting. I don't care what field you're in. It is constantly experiencing a half-life. So I'm going to use the example of a new grad. So you get someone fresh out of college. They have just spent the last four years, six years, however long you know it took them to get their degree, just being immersed with information and best practices and best theory. And so when you hire them, they've got all this knowledge. Well, depending on what field they're in, after a year, they have lost half of that knowledge. And I mean, obviously, I'm using arbitrary numbers. Maybe it's after two years. But, you know, so after a year, they've lost half of that knowledge. A year later, they've lost another half of that knowledge. A year later, they've lost another half of that knowledge. So three years into it, they're only retaining, if you follow the math on that, 16% of what they had in college unless you're refreshing that. That's right. And and so, you know, if you have a, a year half-life, after three years, you're at 16% unless there's this constant ongoing. Now, that makes sense when you're talking about, you know, someone who's fresh out of college, but we don't realize that, okay, so, you know, I, I've, I've got a mechanic shop and, you know, someone transferred from a, a, a competing shop over to my shop. Well, they brought a skill set over mm-hmm. when they transferred but if I'm not developing anything, they have a half-life. You know, so it, it's not just education. It's also expertise where, and you see it where, you know, this guy, he's a great mechanic, but he can't work on any cars that are, you know, it's like, uh, has to be at least a decade old for me to work yeah, on it. Or to have else. a carburetor still. <laughs> can't know? be fuel injected. Yeah, it's like, Which yeah. fine if we're in <laughs> market, but... But, you know, that's a, that's a great point because, 
I know that through studies, on average, about half of employers right now will say that they can't find skilled labor. Yeah. Okay. But we also know that half of any organization or businesses out there, half of them don't have a active skill development, a skill training, training program. professional yeah. program either. Do you think there's a correlation? <laughs> Probably. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so you need to be looking at that as well, because if you're missing those two things, you can hold accountable people to people all day long, but you're not changing the system. So you're never going to get different results. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, so if you're holding people accountable to the same thing year after year, after year, after year, all they're going to do is learn the loopholes and how to play the game. Right. Like, oh, you know, I need to make sure to get this much done so that I don't get bad marks on my annual review. I think annual reviews are terrible. <laughs> like, if if you're waiting a full year to tell someone good job or to make a change, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm not opposed to someone who wants to do, uh, you know, take, and it could be annual where it's like, okay, we're going to compile everything you know, but if you're not talking to your guys uh, weekly, every other week, right. at least. Monthly, at the very least. I'm, not, I'm even giving it every other week. I think monthly is too infrequent. Okay. You know, But if you're not talking to your guys regularly, and then you try to do an annual review, no. Like, no one should ever walk into an annual review and be surprised. Like an annual review should just say, you already know this. Let's just document it. That's what we're doing right here is we're documenting. Right. And so, you know, when you look at accountability, if I'm trying to make someone accountable and I wait for a year. Well, and the problem is, you know, and I've lived by this saying for a long time, that frustration comes from um, unmet expectations. Yeah. Okay. And if, and unmet expectations come from a lack of communication. So the problem is, is when you drag that out a whole year, the frustration is built because they haven't been meeting the expectations, but it's so much harder to address it when you have that much baggage now than when it happens. And so I agree with you that frequent is much better because if you have a dilemma, it's easier to talk about it, fix it now, why it's active, we can all see the moving parts, what we need to fix, then in a year from now to say, yeah, you're getting poor reviews because you haven't been performing. Yeah. Why haven't you said something? So I, this is my management style, and I'm not, I'm not advocating that everyone needs to do this, but I think it's worth sharing because there's, there's some value here. If I ever directly oversee someone, one of the things that I will always tell them is I say, I will let you know if ever I have a problem and I will not delay. Like if I have a problem, you will know within 24 hours, you know, I mean, I guess there is Friday to, to Monday, but I will let you know as soon as possible that I have a problem. And I let them know that because there's a lot of times people are out there just like, yeah, I don't know if I'm doing a good job or not. And the reason why I focus on letting them know if there's problems or being very clear about the problems is because I have seen so many times businesses that they've done. I mean, this is an extreme case, but I know a business that had an employee 
in the morning praised that employee for doing a great job, in the afternoon fired them for poor performance. Really? Yeah. Because they didn't want to, like, they, they wanted to, mm. So, okay, there's a lot of companies that fire on Friday afternoons. Personally, I don't agree with that. You know, I look at it and I'm just like, if you've got a problem, no one should ever be surprised that they're getting fired. Right. No one, right. like, you should know, you should sit down and say, hey, you knew this was coming. We're going to let you go because we've already talked to you about the concerns that we have. Totally agree. You know, this, this, this crap of, you know, sneaking it in on a Friday afternoon, I think that's a bad, antiquated uh, management technique. So anyway, in this example, the, uh, the company wanted to do the Friday afternoon. And so they basically lied to the employee Friday morning because they were afraid of the employee like making a scene or causing an issue. And so they wanted to stage everything. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, think about this for a second. If you're so nervous that an employee is going to make a scene this is, you know, months if not years of poor management right. that you have allowed. <laughs> and now you're trying to just get rid of this problem as quickly as possible. Like that's really bad management in my opinion. Yeah. I think we just offended a whole bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, maybe who cares? That's true. You know, it is what it is. Like if you're offended that you have an antiquated bad management practice that you want to hold on to, Find another podcast to <laughs> stroke your ego. <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to settle down because I'm getting a harsh right now. I'll turn it back over to you. <laughs> well, I do want to go back and look just for a minute, go a little bit deeper on a comment that you made when you talked about, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, as a leader, as a manager, I have some responsibility in that. And I mm -hmm. like that concept because I find that any, if you look at any, matter of fact, probably all successes when you look at all successes that have been significant at any level, it wasn't a single individual. Correct. Okay, it's uh, great inventions are there teams, multiple people. E even when you look at great things, you know, Sherlock Holmes, he still had a Watson, right? Right. There was still someone else that was engaged that allowed him to be successful. That's why I have an Ethan. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad to be a Robin any day of the week. <laughs> Because you're the one who gets shot at all the time and not me. <laughs> so but, so I, I like that idea and that concept that uh, we need to make sure that we keep the team focus, that we're building a team, and we're building our players on that team, and we're trying to develop them. Because as we do that, um, it's easier to hold each other accountable because we know that we're in this together. Mm -hmm. But when you start getting into that singular you, I, we, you know what I mean? Independence. And, you know, and, it, and it's interesting because everyone's, can you work independent? Well, yeah, but 90% of the time I have to work with other people. So, you know, that, that needs to be a critical piece as well. So I really think that as you're looking at accountability, think on a bigger picture that, you know, we have a team, um, not necessarily singular, yeah. you know? Because it's, uh, even I even think back to grade school, you know, think of the times through your, elementary education that one individual okay does something stupid and what does the teacher do penalizes the whole class mm -hmm. right i paid the price no that one individual writes but 
that's frustrating. But if it would have been done in a productive way, okay, instead of penalizing everyone for someone else's mistake or for that other, that one individual's mistake, see, all of a sudden now you create that, hey, I don't want to be part of a team. I don't want to be anything anymore. So it's kind of counterintuitive because of how we've done it. But when you get into a professional development, you can't have success without people around you. Yeah. It's impossible. Well, and I think I want to hit on something. I actually want to hit on two things that you talked about. Uh, the first thing that I want to hit on is if you want to optimize your accountability, you as the manager, you as the owner should be the last person who has to do accountability. Like the team, the coworkers should actually be enforcing accountability before right. it ever gets to you. And that's something that you know, you should strive for, like you want the type of culture where if someone is being lazy, the employees are saying, dude, we work here. Like, don't be lazy. Not the other way where they're just like, oh, well, if he's not working, I'm not working. Right. You know? And, and so it's hard as a manager, you got to have some thick skin and you've got to be able to look inside and say, am I doing a bad job? Everyone who gets into management automatically assumes that they're a good manager. I wouldn't have gotten here if I wasn't good. I'm like, no, there's a lot of bad managers. We've all had to work for bad managers or seen bad managers. You know, like we see a lot of bad management, but yet everyone thinks they're a good manager. <laughs> like you're not. Well, and that's, and that's the right, you know, there's a Greek word, hubris, which is, you know, over, overconfident, uh, you know, just, over, you know, your self-aggrandizement mm -hmm. is great. Anyways, it's a Greek word, hubris, but I like that, that a lot of times as managers, we have to check that at the door, that ego. We have to check it at the door because if it gets into you, it actually will be destructive through the organization. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you wield a lot of influence. Right. And so, you know, are you asking your employees, hey, what do you like that I do? What do you dislike that I do? And if they tell you, oh, everything's good. You're a liar. Yeah, <laughs> like, there are problems, you know. Yeah. And maybe it is true, but I going back to your earlier premise that if you're, acting, if you're having conversations with them frequently, you won't, you know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, again, shouldn't be surprised at what they're telling you. Like, well, I get a little frustrated when this happens. Okay. I know it. I need to work on it. Or, you know, as a manager, if you've been working on something for six months, yeah, have a report card, a report system, you know, whether that's you're looking at like financial metrics yeah. Or you're going and talking to employees and saying, okay, I've been, over the last six months, I've been trying to have more effective meetings. Do you feel like our meetings have improved? Right. You know, and they're like, you've been working on that for six months? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got some work to do. Yeah, you know. So I, I do want to go back to something that, uh, that you hit on. So team accountability Super important. Strive for that, um, you know. And when you get there, man, it feels good. It feels so mm -hmm. good. But the other thing that you mentioned, and that is use accountability to build people. So often we use it as the beating stick. You right. didn't get this done. You made a mistake, you know. And, and we threaten people, even if it's a passive-aggressive threatening, where it's like, well... If you do that again, we'll all be out of business because, you know. Well, but that's, see, that's the authoritarian <clears throat> attitude. Do this or. Yeah. Right? 
Mm-hmm. And so if how do we look at accountability as a way to build? Because your best employees will make mistakes. In fact, your best employees will likely make more mistakes because they're going to be in positions that are difficult. Right. You know, like if all my job is, is I just have to, you know, stock the shelves, I'm not going to make a lot of mistakes because, okay, labels are forward facing, you know, that's kind of an entry level position. But if my job is to try and determine what inventory is going to sell and what inventory needs to be discounted and when to run a, you know, a holiday promo and what type of social media we need to push on and what our marketing budget should be. Oh, my gosh, this is really complicated. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. So when that top employee makes a mistake, how are you building either them or yourself or the company or everything. You know, you look at it, you're like, okay, we ran a holiday promo last year. It bombed. What did we learn from that? And then that's a form of accountability is to say, we ran a holiday, not you ran a holiday promo that bombed. We ran a holiday promo that bombed. What did we learn from that? What are we going to do this year? So I, uh, this idea came, well, this topic came from an article I had written by a, a Darren Finkelstein. Mm-hmm. And, and if I got his last name wrong, sorry, Darren, please be a little <laughs> bit forgiving because your last name was as bad as my last name. So <laughs> At um, least you're both in the same boat. So. Yeah, we're, we're friends now because <laughs> of last names. But, but um, uh, chasing a squirrel before I get into one thing, I, I found it really cool that uh, something that we preach in our customer service, which is, when you get into sales and customer services, doing what you say you're going to do. Well, his definition of accountability is doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. So I was like, high five. Yeah. We're on the same page on that one. But so he brings up the idea that as owners and managers, supervisors, that our employees have to be able to see and know that we're working as hard, if not harder than them, right? That, that doesn't mean necessarily physically, but we have to be engaged smarter, harder, et cetera. Okay. If they think that they're working harder than, you know, their supervisor, pretty soon you lose that respect. And it now it makes it hard for that supervisor to hold them accountable because uh, why are you holding me accountable? You don't work as hard as I am. You're, you're lazy. You know, you mm-hmm. make mistakes, whatever else. So you got to make sure that your efforts are at least equivalent to what they are. Otherwise that, that respect level shifts and then the accountability can't be done. There, there's been a lot of uh, books and different things about uh, leading and this idea of leading from the front as opposed to leading well, from the rear. That's what's one of his is lead by example. You know, and so as you're talking about this, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Th- this to me is a lead from the front concept of saying, don't ask someone to do something you're not willing to do. Don't expect them to work harder than you're willing to work. Uh, you know, I, yes, there are different roles. And so, yeah. you know, hard work, there were some air quotes there for, you know, anyone listening. But hard work is subjective as to, you know, what, what actually hard work is. But carrying your own weight, being a team player, you know, all those factors. Yeah. Another one that I liked that he brought out was um, discipline, that ability to just stick with a project and grind through it, which... I know from other studies that I've read, and I think we even might have had a podcast on it, but uh, they tracked, anyways, they tracked kids 
trying to keep it as short as possible. They track kids to see. Yeah, we did. We did a podcast there I, to the end, and it ultimately came down to the ones that were more successful had the ability to grind it out. Yeah, right. Stick with a task, even when it wasn't that great. So, anyways, that that's one that he brings out as as well as that. If you are flipping about, oh, well, let's just give it up and not worry about it. If you don't have that discipline to grind it out and to stick with stuff, especially when you're trying to implement new programs, um, employees see that, and then it's hard to grow, build that growth and trust yeah. as well. Now, this one was super interesting because he brings up the word integrity, but he used a, a definition that was I hadn't read before, even though it fits in line with all the other definitions of integrity, and that is is that when th- uh, making things right when they go bad. Huh. Integrity is making things right when they go bad. Okay. And I really like that definition. I really like that too. Um, because too often that's, you know, you know, and then I, and funny enough, about the same time I read some of this, when, you know, you read some layoffs and, you know, CEOs are like, ah, oh, you know, we're sorry about it and we got to lay some people off. But I feel horrible. Really, trust me, I feel horrible, right? <laughs> that hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Um, but as I'm thinking about what he said, I'm like, yeah, but the, you, it's lip, you know, just lip language. Lip service. Yeah, lip service is a better, thank you. Um, because you, you didn't try to do anything to make it right. Yeah. At least not that I could read in some of the things I read. That it wasn't, hey, look, you know what? Uh, we've made some severance packages. We're doing other things because, you know, what? we've just... During COVID, we hired too many, and now that things have equalized back out, we don't need the help, et cetera. Anyway, so I, anyways, I like that definition that he brought up um, about when, you know, making things right when, when they go bad. Yeah. So that's an important, I really think that is an important principle. If you're going to hold people accountable. They need to know that if things aren't going to turn out right, that you're still going to do everything in your power, not just verbally, but but through other means, monetary, physically, whatever it might be, to make things right. No, so, I, great, great principle. I really like that principle. It gives me um, something to think about. The last one, and we've covered a lot of this one, so I won't, but he said uh, just that part of accountability is about improving, mm-hmm. not just our employees, but ourselves too, that we need to be actively building our skill set and, and, and things like that. Because when people think about it, when you're around someone who says, yeah, I just finished my fourth book this year, you're kind of like, oh, I better at least read a book, right? <laughs> right? Right? Or, hey, I just climbed X, Y hill over the weekend, and you're like, oh, I probably should get out and hike more, right? Yeah. So when you're around people who are always improving and trying to better themselves, okay, and if it's done right, not in a bragging way, it's inspiring, and it wants us to improve as well. It inspires us to improve. Mm-hmm. So I like that idea that as leaders, we need to be improving ourselves and, and promoting it softly as a way to say, hey, look, I want you to be improving. Now, giving them opportunities is important as well, and we've talked about that earlier, but I like that idea that that improvement breeds improvement. Yeah. No, I think that's excellent. So I have one that I want to add to the list. I know it wasn't in his article, but I think that this is really important. There has to be a level of trust before there can be a level of accountability. Oh, Yes. Um, and, and that trust has to go both ways. Uh, so you as the, you know, the manager, the owner, CEO, whatever position you're holding, you have to trust that when your employees come to you and say, sorry, it didn't happen, 
that they are actually, you know, apologizing. I, I see too many people that, you know, like they will not accept an apology. You know, an apology is almost a sign of weakness to them. Right, right. And I'm like, well, not everything goes the way that you want it to. And there are many times where an employee keeps apologizing and keeps apologizing in the back of your mind. You're like, are they just lazy? Are they just making excuses? And if there's not some mutual trust, it's impossible to know what is really going on. But by adding that element of trust, then you you can you can better know what's going on. And then, you know, driving the car the other direction, you know, having the two-way road, if the employee, if they don't trust the uh, manager or the owner, then any accountability, you know, and I mentioned this earlier, it becomes a game. They're looking for loopholes. They're like, well, I just got to tell him what he wants to hear because I don't trust that, you know, he is really, you know, like he's just looking out for himself. He, you know, he's not looking out for the interests of the company or the employees. And so there, there really has to be that, that level of trust there to make sure that, you know, that this accountability is, is happening and yeah. is meaningful. Yeah. Um, and I guess probably my closing thoughts to kind of support what you're doing is, um, and we had mentioned this in an earlier podcast as well, is that business um, is, is a process of trial and error. Yeah. You know, it's not always about getting it right. It's nice when we do, but a lot of it's about being better at being wrong. And so, holding people accountable, knowing that if we have a, if we have a level of our culture that is about being better at being wrong, then once things don't turn out perfect, we're not devastating, you know, just trying to destroy our employees and beat them down because we realize, look, if we want you to be innovative and doing things, there's going to be a level of that, that you're going to fail. Yeah. And so having this culture of that, that some level of failure is acceptable in our process of trial and error really allows us to be better at holding people accountable in a healthy way. Yeah. So, no, I love that. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have my closing thought here, not to get the last word in. I feel bad because I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, that trust could have been my closing thought. I started to introduce the program. I get to close it out. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I will have the, uh, the pre-closing thought, and then you get the closing, closing thought. <laughs> Treat people like people. Um, put people above profits. Uh, you know when uh, you know when people work for you, they are they are wanting to do a good job. Most people actually want to grow the company, but they also want to grow themselves. And you know, all too often when we start looking at accountability, you know, like this is a big complaint with Wall Street is. You know, the company becomes more accountable to the shareholders than it does to the customers or the employees, and it can drive a business under. And as a small business, we have this advantage where we're not driven by shareholders, and we can do things that Wall Street doesn't permit. We get to put our priorities on, you know, on people over profits. Uh, and so I, I just think if we're talking about accountability, you know, people over profits. That's what I'm going to say. I, I love that so much that I'm not even going to add anything else to it. We're going to close. <laughs> we're going to close on that because that's that is fantastic advice, and I appreciate you putting that in there because we, I think we forget that too often, 
um, as we're trying to pat our pockets, yeah. which is not a bad thing. I don't think that's bad, but certainly if you're, like you've suggested, putting people over profit. So, well, thank you for being with us today on another uh, episode of Marketing Management and Money. If you have thoughts or ideas, reach out to Ryan <laughs> at Ryan at marketingmanagementandmoney.com. Did I get it right? Well, close. There's no and in there. It's just marketingmanagementmoney.com. But it's not a dot .org or, a, you know, a dot. We're know. on multiple platforms. You find us on YouTube and Instagram as well. Um, so search us out there. Uh, we're going to continue to, we have some other great thoughts and ideas as we've thought about episodes going into this 2024 year of, of things that we're seeing and trends that we're finding in the business world. So we look forward to giving you more great information as you uh, join us in future episodes. Thanks, everybody. Take care.